Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Wilson, coming to you on a very special episode. Something I want to start out with here. The ultimate tyranny in a society is not controlled by martial law, but controlled by the manipulation of consciousness, through which reality is defined so that those who exist within it do not even realize they are in a prison. And that is just one of the amazing excerpts from the book that we're going to be launching today, or he is launching today and releasing today, and I am so very thankful to be here with him on this awesome occasion to, to, to let everybody finally get their hands on the stage of time. And we're also going to be discussing some deeper mysteries of ancient history, consciousness, and the suppression of this knowledge in today's society, as we've seen it all too prevalently. Matt LaCroix, I'm telling you what, my friend, I am so happy for you. Congratulations. I know you've been working so very hard on the stage of time, and I've been anxiously anticipating it myself, sir, and I did finally get my hands on it last Saturday morning. And then I was done with it by Saturday evening. My head was just blown away, man. You, um, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot wait for you guys to get your hands on this. Matthew has so, in all of his videos and all of his analysis, has so masterfully put together these ancient puzzle pieces from hundreds of thousands of years, if not longer, into something very, very comprehensive. And like, again, mind-blowing because it's helping to redefine and reshape our understanding of who we are as human beings and our understanding of where we came from as, as a civilization and who we are as infinite conscious awareness, ladies and gentlemen. And it also makes us begin to realize why this information is being suppressed because it is so redefining of who we are consciously. Because let's just face it, the engineers of our society, they want to keep us stupid. They want to keep us missing disinformed. They want to keep us trampling each other for, for you know, Black Friday sales. They want to keep us as Morpheus had in uh, the matrix as just the battery fueling the machine. So it's, it's an amazing piece of work. Congratulations, man. And thank you for having me on today with you. And thank you for adding me in the acknowledgement of your book, bro. I'm still just blown away. Well, thanks, Jeff, Jeffrey, for that wonderful intro. Um, you know, and, and you, were, you were just mentioning earlier on the, a quote from the early, uh, beginning of the book. So I didn't actually write that quote. That's a quote from Barbara Marciniak, and she uses that in some of her work. But I find it to be one of the greatest quotes to sum up how our reality has turned out of any quote I've ever heard before. It's, it's, it's pretty much spot on. And I want to thank you for, for hosting today. This this great uh, grand announcement that's been many many have been waiting a long time for, um, like like Jeffrey said, I'm officially announcing the release of the book that I've spent a lot of time with um, over the last two and a half to three years, called The Stage of Time. Um, it's the secrets of the past, the nature of reality, and the ancient gods of history. And in this book, I I like to consider it. I wanted it to be a, a, my great legacy, the legacy of the accumulation of all of the knowledge and, and the understanding of what I've been able to piece together and through many, many, many authors and researchers along the way. This is, it has not been just a solo ride. This is, I, I feel like those who are on the front lines who are not being conformed by what they're saying and are trying to go out there to, to see what the evidence says, to break the paradigm that we've had for so long, 
those are those are heroes in my mind and there are many many of those people out there just to name a, a few of them like that people like gerald clark and brian forster and graham hancock robert shock and so many others that i i could just go on and on but a lot of these individuals have really pushed the narrative forward and are in allowing these discussions to actually to finally come to fruition but what I, but i want to say about about the stage of time is to go a step further because in many ways if i had if i had decided to just write about cuneiform tablets in in, in secrets of ancient history and lost civilizations i would have been much more successful than i am right now and, and i know that that's a that's a very very easily understood fact in my mind but the, the reason i didn't do that is because when these questions come up as in are there other beings in the universe or have other have there been other intelligent beings who have been part of our timeline what exists beyond the third dimension that could control other dimensions and have influences on it those very very challenging questions i decided i really wanted to take on because i didn't want to just regurgitate information from other great authors that have come along i wanted to try to delve into the you know the the very edge and in the end um i don't I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I hope that the, the way that I've followed evidence and the way that I've tried to objectively look at the, the events of history, I, I really do believe that they're going to um, work in my benefit in the long run because I'm doing this for, for the future. And I want to other, make one more thing, um, say one more thing about this, Jeffrey. This book is so much more than about either my opinion or about even laying out evidence it goes uh, a, a much more significant step than that. When you look at the events of ancient history and the, the control measures that have gone in place to try to destroy certain pieces of information, such as when we think of the Library of Alexandria in Egypt, okay, that was burned down by the Romans because, and it was mostly paper records because there was a lot of really conflicting information that they did not want to get out because they wanted at the time, it was the emergence of the Holy Roman Empire, and they wanted certain pieces of information to be suppressed. Okay, that's a fact. That's not a conspiracy. In your opinion, was it all burned, or was it burned, and then a lot of those artifacts and scriptures taken out and placed somewhere else in the Vatican or wherever else? That's. I think it was a combination of both. I think they burned it, and anything that managed to survive, they removed it because they removed it because they were trying to do a cleanse. Anyway, to make a long story short, this has happened throughout history. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is a, this is a fact that there has been so many different figures and individual individuals throughout the past that have that have dressed desperately tried to hide certain pieces of information, but even more importantly, destroy it. And and you see that today in places like Syria and Iraq with all of these these you know proxy armies moving through and destroying all these relics tearing them down and, and, and we lose them forever, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, that same thing is happening with the ancient texts of, of the antiquity. From Gnostics and ancient Egyptian knowledge all the way through Mesopotamian cuneiform tablets, those ancient writings are being systematically suppressed and in many cases destroyed. So what, the, what I'm trying to say, a long story short, what makes this book so significant is that I've included what I believe to be, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong on this, to be more ancient translations in esoteric text than any other book ever written. Because what I wanted to do here was to create 
a means where people could have a compilation reference guide where if they say, I want to read um, the Adrahasis, but I don't know where to, to where to read. I don't know who's you know telling the truth. I don't know what's genuine. I want to read the Enuma Elish. I want to read the Emerald Tablets. Where can I find where can I find those you know copies where I can trust them? And I realized over time that it wasn't even about putting all of these in the same place that people could have them, but it was about preserving them, having yet one more location where all of these ancient writings can be categorized and organized in a way where people are, are reading what is the most accurate translation and they know where to find that. So they're not just searching around online and being bombarded by misinformation. Right. Cause there's a lot of that out there. For sure. And so I, I just want to, um, I wanted to explain that and, and just show the importance of what I was trying to do with this work. And I mean, mission accomplished, man, mission accomplished. And again, like you said, it's, you just have to go, it's there. It's kind of in plain sight. It's just so it's, Stuff has been hidden for so long, as we all know. And things like the Sumerian Kings List, you just can't argue with these translations that are saying that not just lifespans, but their reign was 15, 20, 30,000 years. There was something clearly going on in our ancient past that we have lost. And that was what I also wanted to say, you know, as a part of this book, you and like other people, Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, you guys are finding that which was lost or rediscovering that which was lost you know graham hancock's new book america before and that's what's so cool about all of this man and i've always been so into it and we'll get more into this but it's just mind-blowing stuff just paradigm shifting we use these certain terms to try to describe this stuff but it's really just life altering and consciousness altering when you start thinking about we're just these limited perceptual lim human beings living in multiple dimensions and multiple universes and we're just scratching the surface and so much of what your writing has done and other people's work has done is illuminated more of this information. So we're not so in the box or blue pilled out or whatever metaphor you want to use. It's just, it's an awakening. Yes, that, that's well said. And it's one thing to try to tell someone about what happened in the past, to try to explain lost civilizations and you're, and you're spot on. It's one thing to try to explain that, but it's another thing to actually provide the evidence that strongly suggests that something is completely different than what we've been told. Completely. And like when you mention, when you read something like the Sumerian King List, or you read the Enuma Elish, or if you read the Eridu Genesis, or a number of these other ancient texts, all of a sudden the things that someone like, like me or, or others have spoken about and try to weave together to understand, it makes a lot more sense. And you get that credibility to say, wow, like, Matt's frozen. frozen. This really goes along with really make them genuine just because they're old. What makes them genuine is the fact that the information they contain carries over to so many others that are that were found hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. They say the same thing. And that, so I, what I want to just what I want to briefly mention is I just want to go over a little bit of the content of what of what people have in here, because I did mention that really bold statement about having more ancient texts than potentially any other book. And I just want to read through what is actually the ancient texts that are referenced in the book. So people do say, oh, wow, I wanted to read that, hmm. that I wanted to have that ancient text anyway. This is, this will be something that I can, I can use. Absolutely. Um, and so in, inside, in, within the book, throughout it, as I'm trying to discuss, I have ancient translations and analysis of, of these, of these texts. Now I'm going to give you a list of them 
And when I mentioned some of them in, in cases such as the Adrahasis um, and, um, and the Legend of Atanya and the Emerald Tablets, there are multiple translations from different tablets. So it's not even just one in some cases, which is, which is also very important. So within the Sage of Time, it contains translations and discussions for the Atrahasis, the Book of Enoch, the Code of Hammurabi, Enuma Elish, Legend of Atanya, Sumerian King List, Eridu Genesis, the Emerald Tablets, the Nag Hammadi Scriptures, King James Bible, the Book of Genesis, Old Testament, and more. There are other discussions I had about, about other writings that I didn't even include there because I didn't, ma I didn't really extensively discuss them or they were just briefly mentioned. But the point I want to make is those translations are now being protected. As long as you know every book is not burned in the world and we lose it, because I I guess really what I should have done, right, Jeffrey, is try to, you know, put this in the cuneiform form into some ta uh, you know clay tablet and then bake it so it would last thousands of years, right? Right. right. But I don't have that capability, sadly. Of course. Um, but it um, so to me, it, it this book what it really does, I, and I'll give us a, a small overview of what the content actually is. What it really does is it reviews both. It starts with reviewing and understanding, well, what is consciousness and what is the nature of reality? How do we define the reality that surrounds us? You know, is it simply based on this 3D world of materialism that we're so accustomed to, or is there far more to it? If you think about how ancient texts talk, like the Emerald Tablets talk about how there's, there's nine dimensions, okay? Nine different dimensions, and you and I right now communicating in one of those dimensions, right? And there are dimensions below us and dimensions above us. And yet all of those dimensions are largely invisible to us. Right. And yet throughout history, ancient shamans and um, those who have been enlightened through certain techniques of meditation and taking certain psychoactive plants to alter their consciousness have realized that they can break out of that veil of, of the physical third dimensional world. And they can not only go through that veil into those the fourth and fifth dimension, but they can actually communicate in some cases with intelligent entity, entities that reside there. That's echoed by nearly everyone that has had these powerful experiences with things like DMT um, and, and many, many other psychoactive substances where they clearly state that there are intelligent entities that talk to them, give them these, these messages and these things that they need to do in their lives. Well, and I, that comes down to the idea that there's so much more to our reality than we actually understand. And that's what I wanted to try to break down in the first chapter. And then, in, so in the second chapter, um, I moved into understanding our ancient origins. You know, where do we come from? Are we just another ape? Are we just an evolved ape, just like all the other animals on the planet? And when you have that mentality, this Dar Darwinian mentality of us in the survival of the fittest um, world where oh, look, we've managed to get to this place we're at because we're so much smarter than all the other animals around us. So we can simply just trash and destroy the world that we live in. Because, hey, we're just unerring nothing like that at all. If you look at the human origin story, according to things like the ancient Hopi and the ancient um, Sanskrit text, all the way to things like the Atrahasis and the Enuma Elish, it tells a very different story for humans. It, it speaks about how we're separate from the animal kingdom. We come from the animal kingdom, but there have been certain <clears throat> gifts and changes that have gone into us that, that make us largely 
instead of being animals, largely more like a steward of the earth and some someone that should be here um, learning it and growing, but also realizing the importance of the world we live in and protecting it as we go along. And so I wanted to go through this this organizational structure of of expanding consciousness to these new concepts and these new and these ancient texts to try to explain it and piece together what they were trying to tell us all along and what our reality is really defined through. And, and in the third chapter, of course, my probably um, probably Jeffrey's favorite chapter, really digging into this ancient struggle of the eagle and the serpent we find, this symbolic struggle all around the world from the Americas, the Maya and the Aztec, right down through in the Inca, across the world, into Mesopotamia, all the way up through um, around the Mediterranean into, into Egypt and, and, and all the way across into Asia and India, we see this extremely common sim, sim, symbolic um, struggle that's seen between cultures that use these different symbols. And I break that entire thing out in the book, lay out the evidence to try to understand all of these, all of these hidden struggles that have gone into mankind through either will they achieve higher states of consciousness, just like that story of Adam and Eve, or will they be ruled through ignorance and keeping them in lower states of consciousness? And that's what these, this struggle has been, has been about all along. And then moving, moving in uh, out of the third chapter, I really wanted to explain, well, who are these beings that the Atreasis calls the, the Anuna? And then they're referred to in many others as the Anunnaki. Who, who are, they? are they? What are they mentioned in, in, in ancient texts and how do they fit into our story? And we're going to get into some discussions as we go along, but I just wanted to provide just a brief overview of what the content is. And then we move into these cataclysms that destroyed these lost civilizations. You know, was there an entire epic of humanity that's been lost where we had this sophisticated advanced technology that was, was largely destroyed so that human civilizations had to completely start over. And how did that start that, that start over that be that, that regaining of our, our civilization, how did that affect where the outcome ended up now? Because it had a huge effect on, on where we are today and how the mentality that plays into our society. When it sounds like through, through some of these studies and yours, Billy Carson, et cetera, these, these cataclysms have happened more than once. Civilization has risen, you know, risen and fallen numerous times throughout ancient history. Yes, and that's, that's sort of scary to think about, too, because it shows you that this is a cyclical nature and that it keeps happening. And, and we can go over some of the reasons why I think that that happened. But the point is, where we are now in our society, with the, the availability of the Internet and all this being of free and open in most places to people, and yet most are distracted and through all this violent entertainment and these things that keep us keep us like dumbed down and, and, and trying to perceive this very limited reality when as there's, there's so much we can learn and understand really why we're here and how we should be using our time. Well, and that, that's and the I, other kind of really huge aspect of this that's just kind of not overlooked, but it's just so fascinating. The metaphysical aspect, like you said, we're just being engineered to be to remain in this extreme low frequency where we're not even, you know what I mean? Understanding multiple dimensions and different like what we're talking about is just so lost on some people because no disrespect, but they're doing brackets for the March Madness or whatever it is. You know, what I mean, it's just so dumbed down, like you said, but it's that it's that amazing kind of other dimension spiritual world if you will that's i find so very fascinating about all of this 
Yeah, and it's not about oh, there's some hippie or there or some strange label that's been given to someone who happens to be spiritual and happens to be different than the rest of society. They get labels, right? right. If you believe in any conspiracy, you're a conspiracy theorist, and you get labeled. That's who you are. And someone goes, "Oh man, you believe in conspiracy theories?" Yet they're walking outside and they're being these massive artificial clouds are being sprayed above their heads. And on a day that's forecast to be sunny, all of a sudden. There's this milkiness that covers the sky and people go, oh, you know, whatever it's, those are contrails. And yet, if you look into a contrail, a contrail is just, it's just moisture that condenses briefly right. and then dissipates. Yeah. And yet these huge clouds are forming and then taking over the skies crisscross pattern. And people are just walking underneath that every day and they're ignoring it. Yeah. And yet if someone was to bring that up, they're a crazy conspiracy theorist. But again, then, the information is like right there. Even government documents, they've been able to manipulate the weather exactly. and geoengineer it since the late 40s, mid 40s. They started geoengineering. You can actually look up, like you, like you said, there are documents in the CIA library that have had to be released because of the Freedom of Information Act. But basically, you find out that geoengineering has been, has been going on since the Vietnam War. And this is not, again, some conspiracy theory. Yeah. Go look. It, it's, there's data and there's, there's reports that have been written where what happened was the United States government was having a lot of trouble fighting the Viet Cong because the, the, the forest growth, the rainforest was so thick, they couldn't see them. So what did they do? Well, they created, they, they geoengineered the skies to, to literally create massive flooding because they knew that many of, many of the areas that the Viet Cong were were in, were in tunnels. So they literally tried to flood them out by altering the weather yeah. to intensify certain areas of rain so that they could they could completely annihilate and 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 rain you know like maybe sometimes what an entire half a year would would do in only a couple months they were doing that and and they were using things like agent orange to then defoliate the yes. trees so that they could see <clears throat> things this is something that happened so many years ago and yet yeah. we don't well, even be- I just posted on my Facebook timeline yesterday of Lyndon Baines Johnson saying in 1962, you know, they basically can control the weather and he who, he who controls the weather controls the world. That's so, right. So it's in pla- it's, hidden in plain sight once again. It's right in plain sight. And that's how they do it. They hide all of this stuff right in front of us because there's a lot more going on than we've been led to believe. And it's not about, oh, I don't want to go down that dark path of accepting and, and discussing those those darker aspects of our reality because it makes me feel funny. I don't like the energy associated with it. Well, you know what? Or I, that I public stigma, that. you know what I mean? Oh, you're one of those oh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness yeah. Monster. They just go down that pejorative, you know, that cliche, you know, what they think conspiracy theorists are. But it's just critical thinking, really. But, you know, it is. It's critical thinking. And at the end of the day, if you want to truly be independent with your energy, you shouldn't you should be able to allow that information in to objectively understand it without allowing it to completely bring your state of energy down right. to a low level where you feel like you know you're being controlled by a, a darker side of yourself it's we if, if you're not able to look into information without it affecting you it means that you still have some work to do people don't have, have their opinion their opinion has them and that's a, that's kind of a big part of it there's too much ego in people's you know process and how they're looking at stuff yeah and i think a lot of people don't want to accept things that make them feel funny things that make them feel out of control, things that make them feel like things are not the way they've been told. And one of those things is what, what the third chapter will essentially, essentially deals with is understanding, well, how, um, what is the truth about the earth or the solar system, the universe? How does all this work? Are there laws that go into def- define in the design of, of everything here and how can you 
how can you play that game effectively? Because it really is a game and we're going to get into that as we get into some questions later on. Um, and, and basically the book ends with discussing and really going into, well, what is our role here? What should we be doing? How, how has the past affected our perception of reality to the point where maybe we're not doing what we should supposed to be doing right now? You know, if we think about us, if you do a, if you do an objective, if you're, if you do an objective view, like a remote view, let's say you were just uh, infinite energy that could travel anywhere you want at any time, like consciousness, and you were, you had non-physical form and you were just drifting through the universe and you could observe anything and you came upon the earth and you were just looking over this beautiful blue speck in, in the universe surrounded by billions of other earth-like worlds that exist in the vast universe in our Milky Way alone. Just think for a moment that here you have this incredibly um, highly conscious being who has the design of its genetics is in such a way where our, our chakra centers, the areas within the body that allow us to reach higher states of energy are so perfectly designed that they mimic precisely the visible light spectrum. That What that tells you is essentially we are like these incredible spiritual beings who are eternal conscious energy that are in a physical body to experience a physical reality. That's it. And our actual, what defines us is multidimensional energy that, that exists on beyond just the third dimension. So if you, if you had that mindset and you understood that, and then you, you, were, you were observing Earth and you were looking what, at what everyone's doing, running around in these business suits, going into an office, sitting there looking at a computer, getting out, going home. It's, you, know, you get back at 7 o'clock at night. You, you're exhausted. You make dinner. Then you sit in front of the TV. Then you go to sleep and you wake up and you do the exact same thing over and over again. Right. Over and over and over again, you do the same thing. And then you might get a little free time on the weekend. You go see some friends. You, know, you go do a little bit of recreational activities. Oh, that was fun. Back to the grind again. <laughs> Back to it. If you look at that and you observe that and you watch human beings reaching um, you know, 80, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years old and then they die. And then you find out that the greatest regret of everyone before they die is that they never did what they really wanted to do. Right. They, they felt empty when they were dying. And that mentality is shared by so many people because deep inside our soul knows what we really should be here for. And, they, and it knows who we really are. And so when you're on those last seconds of your life before you're about to, to go into the next realm and leave this physical world for now, you, you'll often realize that because all of a sudden, none of that, none of that stuff matters. All of those distractions and illusions that have, that have held us back for so long, they just disappear. And we're just left with the empty truth that's right staring right in front of our face. And that's what, if you were eternal conscious energy and you were observing us, in our in our society it would seem like total anarchy people just mindlessly going around and 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 working all the way until just the last few years of their life and they die it's it just is a system of productivity and ignorance to keep this status quo well, this because drone, this kind of drone mentality of just constantly almost going back to just being a consumer of just making a living instead of living life i know we all have bills to bills to pay but there has to be some kind of balance but like you said it never really happens. Everybody's too busy, you know, living their life. And then by the end, it's like, man, it's too late. And and that's something that I discuss extensively throughout the book. I do not hold back because I feel like if you look at a holistic view of our entire past and you study all, all of the things that have led up to where we are now, and you look at the ancient texts and what they said about mankind and how some don't want mankind to have knowledge and information. They want to keep us in darkness. It all starts to make sense 
it makes sense that there's this, there is a system that's been created here. And again, I really do think that that the matrix you mentioned before, it does have a lot of truth in it. And we do need to look at it and understanding it by through the lens of energy and through consciousness and the physical realm and looking at it and then saying, well, that's that system here is perfect. It's so perfect because people can't just quit the system. What are they, how are they going to eat? Are they going to try to live off the land? Well, right. guess what? you got to pay taxes still. They're still going to find you. They're still going to find you and they could put you in jail. You, you, it's, it's, it's incredible. You can't, it's like you can't get out of the system. The only ways out of the system are becoming extremely wealthy to the point where you don't need to worry about work and you're sort of on your own path. But by then, you've probably... sold yourself already and you really in that mindset where you would then want to use all your a lot of your money to preserve the earth or you know create some mystery school somewhere where you could teach people you're not going to probably be under that mindset mm -hmm. at that point because you've been so corrupted by the money that you've accumulated that you're going to probably want to just live through that life and take it all for yourselves and i think that's part of the perfect system is those who achieve the greatest success in it were those who played the rules so long that they become conformed soldiers within it and that, and I think, I think that's how the system itself is protected and preserved. So, I want uh, before you jump in, Jeff, and we, we yeah, move on to some discussions it, and questions you have. That's what I was trying to get at with this with this book. I wanted the evidence from ev events like the evidence of megalithic structures and, and advanced technology from lost civilizations, but also the evidence from these ancient texts that tells us clear as day what happened long ago, who we are those who intervened and how our reality has been defined all of those things like oh people are like man i wish that these questions that are so unanswered we could figure out answers to go read these ancient texts they contain all the answers you need these questions are not still <clears throat> these things in the air that we're still debating you know what is our purpose here who are we those things are all covered by not just one ancient text that people could say oh wow it says one thing there. How do you know that that's accurate? The same thing is then echoed by culture after culture after culture in different ancient texts throughout the world where they all literally echo the exact same thing. Or even the symbolism, like you said, you know, you got your Inky, but then morphs into your Neptune, into your Poseidon, into your Odin, into, you know, Satan or whatever, you know, the these different incarnations of these deities. I mean, we can kind of get into that, you know, how their understanding of, of reincarnation and transferring consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, again, almost hidden in plain sight, you know, it's, you start seeing these patterns throughout history and that's, not, it's just not an accident. That's right. It, exactly right. And that's why I focus so much on the eagle and the serpent all across the world to really show it as well as, and I appreciate you bringing that up in the end of the book and in inside the book, I created a God table, a God table. That's so people saying, wait a minute. That, you know, that, that Thoth from Egypt, the boy, there's a lot of similarities, similarities with him, that his mentality and his teachings with Kukulkan and um, Quetzalcoatl in the Americas. Well, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a, um, a significant God table that not only explained like this legacy of Thoth and some of the possible incarnations that he's had throughout history, like Hermes, but also say, well, Enki, also known as Ea, you know, what role did he possibly play throughout history? What role did Enlil play throughout history? Because when you look at something like, for instance, this one's a little less, less known, but if you look at something like the Slavic culture, 
down in the in the the Yugoslavia or what used to be Yugoslavia area in the Bosnia area that area used to be which was called the Slavic culture had just like we find all around the world just like we see in the Nordic culture in the Romans and the Greeks all the way up through the Akkadians and the Sumerians you find this echoing of the same god figures that that go throughout history and so I created god tables that take all the available information that we have and really tries to pinpoint the likelihood of who they the roles that they played and i want to point out that there are other roles like in in hinduism mm -hmm. and other in other parts of the world that i deliberately left out because i do have some confidence in them but i feel like i wanted to leave people some of these areas where they can they, they can go find out for your yourselves some of these similarities that have been carried over throughout history yeah you 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 enumerate enough of them to to establish that there clearly has been a pattern of of these certain symbols you know in these ancient scriptures that's right so now, now so jeffrey you gave us an overview of, of your thoughts in the book did you ask some questions as you were going through it and we can oh discuss are you them. kidding me absolutely I, I, again well, things here. a few things man i'm so with the with the obvious huge concerted effort to suppress this information, and as we've talked about on this show and different episodes that we've done in different shows, they've inverted reality as it relates to so many of the, you know the, the original sin in the Garden of Eden. And so I've actually had comments on some of our some of our um, some of our episodes where people are like, "Man, you guys are basically you guys are saying that Satan's the good guy." And, you know, just not getting they're they're filtering everything through this lens of just Christianity as, as opposed to putting it in this, oops, excuse me, this larger context of understanding these ancient scriptures. There's this confirmation bias that it has to be filtered through, uh, you know, Christian or Catholicism or any of the Abrahamic cults, if you will. Do you get any flack from that? Like basically saying you're oh, man, you're you're basically a Satanist. I mean, using these terms, not a, that disprove that they don't understand the larger scope of what you're talking about, but I don't even know if I'm, I'm phrasing this right, oh, you're but doing a great job. Yeah, just, this, just getting that backlash cool. from these legitimate normalized Abrahamic religions. When in fact we know the representation of the snake has been inverted, et cetera. You know what I mean? So what are your yes, thoughts absolutely. on how that, that feedback from, from uh, Christians, et cetera. Okay. So there's, there's two primary things that need to be understood about that. And I'm going to go backwards with that so that I don't anger anyone early on. The first thing to understand about that is, and I'm going to get into the inversion after. That's how I meant about going backwards. The first thing I want to explain about that is that Satan is a term used for a certain role that's being played. Okay. And I want to be very clear about that. That's a certain role that's being played by a certain entity. And that's, that's all that is. Now, that's not saying that that role is good or bad. It's simply saying that that's a certain role that's being played. Now, let me explain that role. If you think about if you think about information throughout history, okay, and this gets into the eagle and the serpent too. If you think about the information throughout history, some of these beings that they refer to themselves as the Anuna, and I, I have to, I bring this up almost every show because so many people have been so polarized over this. Froze, froze, froze term Anunnaki that they don't really realize and they haven't done homework to know that that term itself is yet again one of these demonized inverted terms just like all these other terms that that Jeffrey brought up things like Satan and looking at this pitchfork of of the devil you can just look at what all those are and you can realize that they're all just the these deliberate inversions of a certain character that is playing that role okay 
So how it works is this. In the Garden of Eden story, this, this original sin that you're talking about, the way that Christianity and a lot of some of the Abrahamic religions have spun this story is that the idea is that the God figure, who in many ways you can see, according to the Gnostics, clearly that this God figure is being played by this, this, this um, Mesopotamian Sumerian character named Enlil, okay? And that character, that's because that's how the furthest back you can trace to his original name. But he's had... Um, he's had many other names in a biblical in a big biblical reference, something such as like Abraham, or um, or many 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 other names. And the point is, that character assumed the role of that God figure in that story because that was a certain perspective that was being shown for him. Now, what did that God figure want? It wanted it wanted Adam and Eve to not know of good or evil and to live in ignorance and just live by its rule. That's what that figure wanted. And we're told that that's a good thing. And that somehow uh, this benevolent figure in, in, in our, in our reality, where they had this evil snake serpent, right? That's, that's tempting Adam and Eve and whispering things in their ear. And what is it doing? It's giving them the knowledge of good or evil. It's giving them the understanding of what, is right what's wrong higher consciousness and understanding of reality itself it's giving awareness and see and that's what's so strange about that, that weird kind of aspect of that of christianity in general even you know if you question anything you're a bad christian you know what i mean you're being tempted by the devil if you just you know just believe god's word don't ask any questions and if you ask too many questions you're just not being a good christian Blind obedience right and that's what i'm saying that's this this indoctrination and conditioning of over centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries is is what we we see today you know i still wonder like how are these i'm no disrespect you can everybody can respect and worship whatever they want but how some of these organizations are still in business after some of the bad PR and just some of the stuff they've done throughout history, the Crusades, the Inquisition, like, this is something you want to be a part of? This is love? This is compassion? This is forgiveness and tolerance? Uh, that's weird. It's it's because it's gone on for so long that people have been conditioned into it. And at the same time, they're scared that everything that they've built their life on could be a slight um, misdirection and, and slight misinformation it's a twisting around of certain aspects yes there is still good that can be found in all religions for of the sure world. absolutely because they're based on these original teachings based on what was called the old religion however there are certain things that have been also deceptive about it like i was talking about this god figure it's not god it's not this source or creator of of everything that exists everything in the universe that's not who they're referring to they're referring to someone else that's why if you you know you read something like genesis talks about how you get this quote that says we were created in their image that word there is there it's it's sitting right in front of you in plain sight created in their image well and then you have the whole sons of god laying with the daughters of men i mean that it just was like they kind of lay it out for you without saying it explicitly and, and so who are they, right? Who are those, who are they referring to? And so this is where the breaks go on, right? Er, most researchers that are in my area will say, I'm not going there. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna piss everybody off in religion. I'm not gonna piss everybody off when it comes to these ancient tablets and all the stigmas associated with the Anunnaki. I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> and, and you know what? I said, I said the hell with that. I, I, was, I, I looked at all of that and I said, we need to get some answers. We need to figure out some answers to all this because we're being lied to. And, and so many of them, and I'm not going to mention any names, but they know who they are. So many of them will just abruptly come out and go, some would say this is a conspiracy, 
but I'm not saying that. Right. I want to be clear about that. Let's have big letters on the screen. This <laughs> Disclaimer. Is, I'm not saying this is a conspiracy because they don't want to be labeled. There's like there because there's there's a very like we said there's this very intentional label that gets given if you are an ancient researcher and you want to be a, a credible academic you get you basically get written off if you try to create the idea that it's a conspiracy but in reality the conspiracies are staring at us from almost every direction well and again that that's that's just a, indicative of the institutional nature of the 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 deception that's going on whether it's you whether it's Randall Carlson Graham Hancock you know people being defunded or losing money right. or you know what i mean or or being you know called a you know quack or whatever it is or not being taken seriously and wow, you got, you know, literally like keepers of the cheese. I'll mention his name, Zahi Awas, dude. Like he's like the worst. Yes. Like he's absolute some one of the worst people over the over this time that's that's been so resistant to to just clear evidence from cats like John Anthony West, God rest him, about the erosion of this thing. I mean, it's just become so clear. But again, these confirmation biases and there's so much ego and so much interest in again keeping these secrets intact. It's really painful, man. That's what makes your book and your work and others' work so so like again an awakening and so refreshing because it really, hopefully, if they they read it and, you know, it just could snap, it seriously snap people out of this slumber that they're in. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you saying that. And you're, and you're spot on. It's, and again, people, a lot of researchers will say, well, they'll, they'll ignore the idea of why isn't any of this being taught in school? You know, but that's not a conspiracy. It's just not being taught because it's not mainstream. But there's so much more to it. Why is Zahi Hawass in the position that he's in? Is that just a random coincidence right. or was he put in that position because he was going to play the game? And that's what you see with so many different places around the world. So many of these mainstream experts in academics, they build their whole lives on, they go to some good university. They, in some cases, might, they might get their master's degree. They spend a lifetime of building up credibility. And then if they want to try to take things on and go a different way, they're immediately going to be discredited. So what happens? Everybody will play the game, and those who don't will just slightly dip their toes on the other mm -hmm. side, but then they'll come right back, and, and they'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm still playing along, right? And I don't want to be that person. No, I don't feel like the evidence it, it proves that at all. I think the evidence is clear as day that there have been conspiracies and suppression of information since long before even the Roman Empire. And Well, the road less that. traveled, they say, is that way for a reason, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, we see the reasons why. And like that's, you said, it's, right. it's, it's the, there's no, there's whatever, there's no, the, the time has come, like consciousness is shifting. We can even get into that if you want to, moving from, from Pisces to Aquarius. I mean, people's minds are being awakened. I mean, these, these stories are coming out, this information is coming out more and more where, I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, it was just almost immediately shut down. But through the great and diligent work of you guys or ice core samples of Randall, Car I mean, you just cannot deny the geological, geological, the archaeological, the anthropological just evidence that's staring us right in the face. We just have to do the work you've done, the diligent research to, to start putting these, you know, connecting these dots, if you will. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and I completely agree. It's it's these things are staring at us all around the world. I mean, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey has been radiocarbon dated by numerous experts to be approximately 11,600 years old and at the same time in Egypt and then in many other parts of the world such as Peru and Bolivia they're finding this sophistication on the building techniques in a lot of the ruins that they have which would have been completely impossible by a Bronze Age culture some hunter-gatherer or even something like the Roman Empire who are said to have created something like these 
1,000 to 1,500 ton mega megalithic blocks in places like Baalbek, Lebanon. Yeah. Whereas there was never there was never proof in the first place that they were able to achieve that and accomplish those goals. But yet we're just given this very dumbed down version of everything to make it really simplistic. For instance, and I always have to measure it, uh, men, men, mention it, but things like the Great Pyramids of Giza, you know, where everyone is taught in school that that those were solely built to house pharaohs. That's why the Great Pyramid itself is called Khufu's Pyramid. Right. Because Khufu itself, we're told, it was was buried there and inside there. And that's that oh yeah. Oh they found Khufu in there and he had a he had a um he was he had his coffin in there and everything. Um his sarcophagus and he was in there. Oh great. I accept that. Except that there's never been any pharaohs ever found in those pyramids. And there and you can clearly see if you do research that they were all buried over four hundred miles to the south in the Valley of the Kings. All of those things, Jeffrey are staring at us right in the face. But most people are so distracted. Think Roman era with all the gladiator games. Hmm. People during that time period had to deal with an empire that was funneling all of their wealth of their nation into war. And what did they do to try to um, distract people from the, uh, the horrific conditions games. they were living in? They had these games, but they weren't just games for entertainment. They were games based on violence and fear. So and so that at the same time they would condition society into that and they would distract them and they would keep them in a state of fear. Do you think maybe that's echoed at all by by today? No. It's literally identical to exactly what goes on today, but just in a slightly different form, using technology and using a lot more, more sophisticated clever tactics. for sure, absolutely. But the whole point of that is this: we've had so long of 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 where we've been conditioned and distracted and, and away from all this knowledge and information where to keep this, this dumbed down, this ignorant society so that they don't ask questions. So they just keep doing their thing. You know, that person during the Roman times, they need to keep running that market to keep things going. And then today, some person working at Burger King, they got to keep flipping those burgers because that's how, that's how our society is being run. But they really shouldn't. They don't belong doing that. They they belong doing something much more important. That that could be done in, a, in an, with an automated means. That person, that's that's a complete waste of that person's energy and time and gifts. That they maybe not even know exists because they've been they suppressed them so much that they actually think that all their worth is just doing that. And that's their whole identity. When, especially with kids now, man, I think they're, they're hugely targeting kids and they're obviously getting all of us more and more hooked on technology, our phones, et cetera, et cetera. So as they always have, they've been, they're going to be restricting and limiting and suppressing the information through these platforms that we're all using, whether it's YouTube or Twitter, you know, the thought police is coming in and telling us what we can and can't see. No one's going to a library and reading anymore. You know, they're, it's everything's kind of on our handheld or on our computer. And when they can restrict that information, whether it's put out or not, like everything else, if they were controlling the narrative, they thusly control our perception of what's going on in the world. And I think the, exactly. kid, the kids and kids. And I think that's what is, that's, that was the whole reason why I really wrote this. Because people online, they have all this information, but there's so much misinformation that exists at the same time, Painful. they have no idea where to look. Yeah. So let's say they, they come across an accurate translation, they read part of it. Then they come across someone that completely belittles and, and makes a, a very negative comment about that. They can completely derail that person's progress because they just don't know what to believe anymore. And that's why I wanted to get this information in one place because I, and I want to go back briefly to the point you made where all this information has been inverted. All of these symbols have been inverted where back to that Garden of Eden story where the serpent is considered the evil one, yet it's giving Adam and Eve these, these early progenitors of our, of our conscious um, civilization and species. 
they're, it's giving them the knowledge of good and evil in consciousness. And yet that's been told us that's an evil figure. That's the, not only, that's the original sin. That's right. And that's the reason that the begotten son had to be sent to save us from our sins. Like it, that's where it all started from, dude. That's right. So how is that a sin that we would have knowledge in higher consciousness and, and the knowing of good and evil? How is that a sin to right. be more aware? Because that sin is a sin in the minds of those who have controlled and created the perception of, of what we live in now today. Now, the whole point of that is that serpent figure is you clearly see clear as day in all the Mesopotamian cylinder seals and writings and symbols across the world. That's played by this figure Enki. That's who is one of these great, um, these one of these original wisdom bringers, or and, and some call them these archon controllers of our reality. It depends on how your perspective is. But I want to get back to how that plays into the inversion aspect with Satan. That that role, that person, that individual, if you want to call them, that deity being, or whatever you want to call them, they were forced to to, to play a certain role in our reality. That role was going down into and in, in, in ruling in essentially like the underworld, the lower, this lower dimensions of our reality where things like energy are managed and um, potentially incarnation and other things like that, where if you have to play that role of balance, you have to both play good cop, get good cop and bad cop. But in, in more importantly, you're forced to do that because you have to maintain balance. And that's the understanding of what I want to get past people. So if you look at Enki, and some of the and some of the ways that he's been portrayed, not only from Mesopotamia and connecting all the way to like the Nomo, all the way up through how he's portrayed and things like with Poseidon, he's always shown with a trident, a three pronged trident, just like the triptech doorways we see in all these ancient structures around the world. It's all about this three part aspect of understanding. The way I interpret it is this idea of this connection and this crossing of mind, body, and soul to reach this kundalini, kundalini energy of our higher state. Just like all these ancient wisdom teachers in the past have tried to teach us. So what happened to that trident and that figure of the snake? It was de demonized into being evil and turned into the pitchfork of Satan. See how that connects? That's where it all goes down. It's all about perception because that character was, was what had to play a certain role. Whereas at the same time, Enlil, this God figure, this Abra Abraham figure, he was he was forced to play this. Well, not forced. He chose to actually. I should really change my words mm -hmm. there. He chose actually because he forced Enki, Enki to play that role. He chose to play this role of Enlil, which means Lord of the Air, Lord of the Skies. That's why he became known as with the, associated with the Eagle. Okay. Now his role was to maintain our physical reality. Okay maintain society maintain order maintain control here so that things are run a certain way and that's why it's the original sin because he's making the rules that's the figure who's defining how things should be run here and how human society should be mm. that's why it's talked about how kingship is relowered over and over again over thousands of years literally thousands of years to different cities you know it starts with eridu and goes all the way through places like the rock and down to Sharupak. they're essentially forcing it so that our society follows these these certain laws and rules on how it would govern our everything okay and that's how the structure of our reality became the way it is today it goes all the way back to the very beginning with these ancient bloodlines and these certain secret societies who still control our world today and most people who hear that would 
completely reject that and think that it's impossible and crazy. Whereas it, it has in, in many ways been staring at you right in the face all along with how how powerful the influence is of all these massive banks around the world and how those banks can be traced back to certain families and how war has been clearly told to us that it's been started in certain ways and you have all these different false flag events and how it seems like we can't get out of war. That's what defines us as, as a society when really we shouldn't be in, in a war state in the first place. Okay. And, and that's, and that's where I want to end that before we move on, because we're going to be some of these questions that we're about to get into mm -hmm. um, are going to be getting into some of those topics as well. Fascinating stuff. I remember when we had you on, I think the first time it, it really kind of, like I said, I've, I I first got into the twelfth plan. I think Zachary Sitch and I know there's some heat on Zachary Sitch, but even other people who've researched this stuff. I mean, it's just it's just so beyond fascinating, man. It just makes my mind just like realize, wow, how much has been hidden from us in such a systematic fashion, and how much has been just kept. How we just been kept so. I hate to use the, such a pejorative term, but so dumb, so. I don't know. So such limit, a permanent state, right? Like a, a very. Like a there we go. It's a much more technical, much more yeah, crazy crazy i hope everybody's enjoying this go out and get the stage of time ladies and gentlemen the stage of time.com my goodness so jeffrey do you have any any other questions before we move on to some of the questions from the audience because we had people post some great questions yeah i saw that and one of them i actually had too after as i finished the book i'm like i'm seeing a lot of news reports now on this ufo spotted this ufo spotted this asteroid is coming close and close call i think that's kind of those are bs stories so they can justify weaponizing space etc but I've wondered, and this kind of gets into Planet X, is, it's, is it on this 3,600-year rotation? Are they coming back? I mean, if they were here at, in some capacity, and I know we have such ADD, we're like, if they're not back in like 5,000 years, they're not, they don't exist. When these things oftentimes take hundreds of thousands of years, I get. But is there a potential return in the offing you see from your research? Okay, so this is an area that may potentially anger some people, but I hope that they understand that everything in this book is, is evidence-driven. I really did not try to give any personal opinions or regurgitate any of anyone's information. Zechariah Sitchin, to be clear, got a lot right. He got a lot right. There was a few areas that I ended up disagreeing with. And those are some areas that I extensively laid out in the fourth chapter, where I, I really wanted to lay out my feelings on things like the Mulapin and things like VA-243. These are ancient cylinder seals and, and ancient writings that talk about mentioning this term Nibiru and mentioning this this cycle of 3600 3, and well, how does that relate to us today and everything. And that's something I really break down because what I've found and in, in, in what I've, I've seen in these ancient records is, is basically this, is um, I do not think that there's a planet that comes through our central mm -hmm. solar system every 3600 years, like a, a body that moves by something. You would You would have a force that would be that would that would be created on that other body and that that force could literally just tear apart another body that goes by it because supposedly this this planet comes through and it goes between mars and earth that's actually not that large of a gap of an, an area to go through however that does not mean that there's another not another planet that exists out in our in our outer solar system but i define i call that planet planet x or planet nine I dis distinguish the term Nibiru, which I actually believe was a reference, a term referring to what was called the crossing. And I think that was more returning to, referring to this metaphysical crossing of mind, body, and soul to reach higher states. So they had like these temples of Nibir, 
tempers, temples in Nibiru. And I think there were like the temples all around the world where there were ways to achieve this perfect balance in higher states. But again, I want to point out, if you look at something like the 1987 Science and Encyclopedia, um, volume 18, I think it was, you basically find this these clear-cut um, evidence that shows you have um, – when you when they sent out things like the pioneer probe okay they sent out something called the pioneer probe 10 in the 19 early 1980s and it it, it found that the the presence of, of a planet that exists far out beyond the kuiper belt the kuiper belt is a massive asteroid and solar um asteroid massive asteroid and comet field that dwarfs the one that we have between uh mars and jupiter which is so large that it is actually it contains thousands of objects anyway it basically keeps our entire inner solar system inside within it. But outside that, we've found these strong indications because of gravitational disruptions to the outer planets of Uranus and Neptune that there's another planet that exists. And some have called that planet X and some have called that planet 9. That evidence absolutely shows that that's very real and it may even get close enough to the Kuiper belt that it could affect um, our earth in, in, in it could even affect the sun and it can be part of what these cycl cyclical disasters are but and, and and i mean you say the return okay this is gets really complicated are are they returning the anuna this this anunnaki term that's mentioned in many 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 tablets by the way that go far beyond just one researcher i believe that from from everything we find with these ancient tablets they seems they, they seem to have uh, achieved the ability to live eternally and break out of this physical realm that we exist in as in, in existing beyond what we consider time and space okay and if that's the case if they exist beyond what we consider time and space being here may be a difficult term to define they may exist beyond how we perceive linear time right, but they right. may be, still be presidents in some ways keeping the system that's in place here in control right and okay. they may even return in some cases in physical form if they wanted to but at the same time why would they want it why would the puppet master want to reveal itself and then have the whole thing fall, fall right, apart right and so in many ways i see this as a system that's been created here long ago that's still being maintained mm. by them that's that's yeah how see, I even by even by phrasing my question the way i did was like you just it, it was just a very they, they're a very limited way of looking at it because they could be utilizing this these you know different gifts that we just don't have to remain like you said these some of these gods have reappeared throughout history so maybe they're using something we just have no clue of as far as multiple dimensions or however it works transferring consciousness into avatars i remember billy carson just blew my mind talking about when we had him on just the ability to to do that to be able to transfer consciousness yes. and to live <laughs> eternally Billy Carson spot on. We agree on a lot of work. In fact, we're going to do a video coming up soon. Um, but so that gets into understanding um, what defines us and what defines our perceptions here and how we're, we're told that, that everything that we are is basically an illusion. Everything that you see is just an illusion because the physical world is just an illusion of matter that we perceive to define our reality. Exactly. Whereas like you said, reality really all the different dimensions that exist are, are all except for this third dimension are non-physical we can't even we can't even perceive them so all of these invisible things are going on all around us and that's where you get this term as above so below mm -hmm. because the third dimension is where all of that chaos becomes manifested 
And that's a very critical thing to understand is that I've, all these things that are going on in our reality in this third dimension, they're simply these manifestations of this battle that's going on in the heavens between the different aspects of how um, our reality should be defined and, and how conscious human, humanity should become. And so it, it, it really gets into it gets into the metaphysical side of how we define our reality and how we perceive these different events that that lead into our past. Wow. And a lot of that, I mean, can be biologically looked at. I remember, uh, what is it, the, the, what they call junk DNA or chromosome 2? Yeah. I mean, these are, these are what supposedly Inky, the master geneticist, pulled on his brother because Enlil just wanted workers. And Inky, you know, as far as the direction of humanity went, didn't want us just to, to be slaves. And he, you know, did that manipulation with that particular chromosome to make us a little more special. Yeah. And I want to, so I want to answer on that and also tie into what I was talking about before. You, um, you mentioned, well, and I'm going to lead into that, what your question right there. You mentioned, well, these gods used to be here in physical form and now they're not. Clearly they're not. Okay. And that's, but that's a key thing to bring up. If you read about, if you read these ancient texts, they mentioned how they were able to connect to these gods on a frequent basis. Those who were in temples and those who are in the higher echelons of our society, these kings and pharaohs, they were in connection with some of these beings in, and they and they they could discuss with them in either other dimensions or in some cases it might even have been a physical manifestation okay now that used to happen all the time during this lost time period of human history but after the cataclysms during the younger dryas at the end of the last ice age when you had this resetting of human civilizations okay like when you see the legend of tanya how Atanya mentions how after the flood and these disasters, he was specifically chosen to be architect of the new world. That, and that tablet's in the book and it discusses it plain as day. That, that design of the new world and this new paradigm was what led to all of this now. Mm. And more importantly, it led to their absence because they essentially became absent from all of this. And, it, 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 and those who were still in charge allowed this anarchy to take place over thousands of years and it lead up lead up to where we are today which is basically we're like the children when the parents are gone hmm. and it's become totally chaotic where there are some who are in control still who are abusing their power and are using using our time period for really malicious means okay now getting back to what you mentioned at the same time Human beings, remember I designed, I talked about how this chakra center of different energies that exist within us, those chakra centers are not only defined by us taking certain steps in our lives to cleanse our body and reach a higher vibrational state, but it's also affected by things like solar impacts of changes to the sun and also where our solar system is moving within our, in relation to the galactic center of our Milky Way. Um, the, the, the more the movements around through that affect different time periods. Now, this is very understood through the ancient cultures were obsessed with basically this thing called the procession of the equinoxes. They were obsessed with it. That's like what defined everything. And the gods were also obsessed with it too, mm. because it came to define how they would determine the, the different ages, how that age would be run. Now, the procession of the equinoxes represents a 26,000 year cycle approximately where each age is around 2,500 years. And that's, those are the ages of the Zodiac. Aquarius, Aries, all these different ages represent those processional changes of when our Earth is wobbling and facing a different direction. Now, those ages were each ruled with different types of and mentalities and, and, and 
different types of vibrational frequencies. One age was very positive, and then another age was very negative, and they would just seesaw and go back and forth. And that's where we're, we're coming to right now. The last zodiacal ages have been ruled by, by negative um, dualism, negative polarity, negative energy for essentially thousands of years, two different ages. How can that be? Aren't they supposed to balance out? Well, the idea was that the age of Aquarius was supposed to be such a fundamentally massive change in consciousness because it was foreseen that way because of all the different factors that are going to come into place. Okay. The our position, the changes to the sun, everything comes into place. Look at where we are consciously right now as we're moving into Aquarius. It all makes logical sense that we have this time period where we're about to move into a completely new age towards the end of 2028 or so is when estimates are that we move into this age of Aquarius. And think about all the songs that sung about the age of Aquarius and all these things. It literally represents a time, a new golden age in civilization. If we can make it, hmm. if we can get through the troubles that we're about to get through, it will usher in a completely new civilization like in the past where human beings reached such high states of consciousness that everything in society was designed differently. People didn't use money, currency. None of that stuff happened. They did things based on their contribution towards society, the, the things that they were good at, the things that they want to contribute. And that was their contribution. And it was part of this society, global society all around the world where they realized the sillinesses of, of war and they became, it was called the golden age because it was perfect for thousands of years mm. and it became unbalanced and then struck and then cataclysm struck and, and then those civilizations were wiped out. And then we started over and we've been under this war mentality of keeping us in a primitive state with misinformation, deception and all these things ever since. And that's how we've come to the place we are now. So the point is, I believe, and I talk about this in the book, that the reason the last two ages have been so negative is that they had to balance out what Aquarius was going to be. Mm. Aquarius is going to be so positive that the only way to do that was you had to have this seesaw coming across the other mm. side and at the same time yes they were playing a lot of games and and taking their power to the to a level that they, that they probably shouldn't have done whereas the level of duality here was so negative that it's literally caused such misery that this our entire society is literally broken now the mindsets of people is so broken that we we focus on focusing focusing on such such the tri trivial and ridiculous things that you can see where we've gotten to now with materialism and fear and war and all these things. So the point I want to make is we have all these gifts within us, these genetic gifts that were instilled within us to prevent our slavery of our mind. You read that quote right in the beginning from Barbara Marciniak. That quote represents this conditioning and slavery of our mindsets to keep us in a certain paradigm. So the whole point was our genetics have been secretly created, engineered in a way where some of these beings saw benevolence in their creation and they wanted human societies to finally break out and get out of this veil and reach higher states. And so no matter what happens, no matter what deception is played on us, no matter what mindset we're kept in, we would always break out eventually. We, we, we would have to because the state of our consciousness would force that change to happen. And that's where we are right now. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's right. That's right. I exactly. Guess you, That's you, well said. You can't have the yin without the yang, and that that is interesting. And I, I mean, I just see like this information being more and more ubiquitous than I've noticed it ever being. As far as you know, 
really understanding elevating your consciousness like you said before that isn't just like hippie talk you go read dr Bru- uh, dr bruce lipton's book the biology belief like epigenetics like we we now know our biology can be dictated by our thought processes and you know right. and our environment and our, our perception of our environment so i mean it's we're just learning so much more and more and um again man i can't thank you enough for, for the work you've done because i mean this is so game changing for me and probably a lot of people who are reading this because paradigms are shifting and yes. we, we really do need to shed so many of these just kind of just old, just out, outdated ways of thinking, man. I mean, we just need more love in the club. I know that sounds silly, but it's like you said, we're just seeing, I mean, we're knocking on Iran's door. We're knocking on Venezuela's door. We're doing the same shit we've been doing forever and ever. And, you know, they're still selling a sewer rat and saying it's pumpkin pie and we eat it up and ask for seconds and rah, rah, America. I mean, I get it. I love this country, but our government just it's it's just bad news man we 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 need more of we need more matt lacroix out there <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thanks thank you I, I appreciate that it's it's a system created around a certain mentality of productivity and, and blind nationalism i call it listen I, and i'm from the united states too and i do love what the founding fathers wanted to create i love the idea of an open society based on freedom i love all that mm-hmm. but the, the fact is our society became corrupted and taken over by certain individuals and it became turned into what only countless presidents have warned us repeatedly. I mean, you have JFK to Truman and others who have just blindly, frankly, came out right, frankly right in front of you right before they're about to leave office, essentially, right? And said, we have a certain system where secret societies and individuals have gained so much power that they're, they've corrupted and taken over things. They've said, they said it right to you, and, they were, and, it's, and it's been designed around this military-industrial complex. Well, where, and that very system wind up killing the next president. I mean, it became right. so pronounced, the next president got killed by it. And I call it now, I mean, it's expanded, the military-industrial-telecommunication-pharmaceutical complex. Because yes. that's really where we're at now, man. That's right. It's this huge system to keep people in this certain state and also to keep our, our reality focused around war. And, and that seems silly to some people, but... And I want to touch into one of the questions we have coming up, talking about the whole incarnation cycle and talking about um, and talking about, well, so, so I'll just, I'll, I'll bring that up, I guess. Someone, essentially, we had someone ask, um, Nino asked, who is responsible for this reincarnation matrix? And is there a way to get our memories back and to get out of the system? And I, I want to touch on that because, to be clear, there is a creator of this entire universe. And the, the analogy I want to use for people to understand reality and how God, play, the, the real God plays in and how all these beings play in and how our reality is is to look at everything like a video game. A video game. A video game that's been created with these certain set of rules, okay, where those rules define everything. And those rules were created by the creator. Things like free will, things like cause and effect, things like um, the different archetypes that can that people can follow based on decisions they make. All those things go in and, and, and harmony and balance and how what unbalance can do. And, and, and it goes on and on. It's all these laws that define define how we would experience it's it was created by that being but the whole intention was that beings throughout the universe would would be able to reach higher states if they were able to accomplish certain things and learn certain things okay just like that video game character that in in a video game if you're in a a game something like an rpg they're called like role-playing games or whatever they are you essentially the whole goal is you need to level up your character Okay, you have these certain tasks and these certain rules that have gone into the game. And if you can master that Mm -hmm. game, 
you can then level yourself up exactly like people in our in our reality humans we have these chakra systems inside our body that essentially when you're able to achieve certain states if you can get out of your red root chakra and you can get past fear get past some of the controlling aspects of ego and the materialism and being generous and understanding some of the other sides of reality all of a sudden when you start changing your perspective your vibrational energy of the frequency of your entire all your cells and how everything <clears throat> functions in your body changes and because we're like a receptor of consciousness like like a wireless receptor it means that the higher your vibrational frequency is the more you connect to your higher consciousness and the more you're able to achieve these higher states you're able to level up congratulations you just I reached the next level of your character level two I found that explanation so so interesting because my my interpretation of that kind of being raised as a Baptist was you know judgment day you go before God he throws in the DVD of your life and like oh you fucked up here you fucked up here and it just seems so like eh that, that seems weird but then like looking at it from a multi dimensional standpoint it it's so much more palatable to me quite frankly from a from a level of consciousness standpoint not the physical terrestrial body necessarily but from a consciousness infinite consciousness standpoint like you said the leveling up it just made sense it made a lot more sense. Matt froze again. That, that's just the code of what goes into the game. That's not how our reality ended up. And that's what I want to really get across. That reincarnation system means that we are defined as conscious eternal energy. Okay? Now, the whole point is we to learn valuable lessons. Because if you're a conscious eternal energy and you make a mistake, nothing matters. Because you're not making a mistake that impacts a material thing a material physical world where mistakes really matter because in a material world, in a physical world, you're a biological being. And when you make mistakes, you affect a lot around you, the people around you, your own path and so many different things. Meaning the ultimate teaching platform for some kind of a eternal conscious energy to learn and grow in a fundamental way would be to experience a physical reality with their consciousness, like a receiver, but, the, the great trick behind that was everything that they've ever remembered from every past life would essentially be wiped and they would have to start over, but they would still have these, these things that we call intuition and these things that are left over. Like, man, I don't know where that came from. I, I don't know why I'm, I'm so good at that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even know where that comes from. It's just there. That comes from the accumulation of past lives because there is, there are certain traits and certain things that will carry over. You know, you'll meet someone along your path and they're not even that old. Let's just say they're, they're in high school or college and they seem completely different. You're like, wow, this person's on like a completely different level than someone else who just seems like they really don't care about anything and, and they're, they, they're not really a very perceptive person. Well, that person has carried over certain traits from past lifetimes because what happens with this system is you have to essentially reincarnate over and over again until you're able to, like the video game, max your level out. That's it. There's a certain level cap for that character. Let's just call it, let's call it uh, seven. Like the, like the seven chakras, okay? There's seven levels to this game. Hmm. You're starting at, you're essentially starting at level zero. Level zero. You're, you're not even level one because level one would essentially be reaching or exceeding your root chakra, which is your base primitive chakra, okay? That means your primitive state of consciousness, your most primitive state you can exist in, mm -hmm. your root, red root chakra. So if you're able to somehow beat this game and master it and reach all the way to level seven, guess what? You're out of that reincarnation game. Boom, you've learned everything and now you can either choose to come back 
or you can become energy in a different kind of way and you don't have to come back because listen coming back and doing this is really hard i'm sure everyone can understand that this is incredibly difficult when you realize that you're eternal conscious energy and you're here to learn and follow a path and to grow then all of a sudden you realize that there's all these enormous obstacles that are standing in your way and that's where the most important aspect about this comes in the uh, the anuna or anunnaki as they've been called they are beings who mastered reality they mastered the game they mastered it they rose above it and they be they became non-physical and they became these eternal beings who could still manipulate reality they they literally came in and they took over our realm of our reality here in this teaching world and they took it over for themselves and what they did was in just like just like in the Atrahasis says they wanted to create workers to alleviate the workload of the gods them they didn't they could not maintain and be in this physical reality anymore so they wanted human beings to take over and become that role okay now because they understood the game, they knew what the reincarnation game was, and they knew what the game was for how human beings, these incredibly designed beings, partially by some of them. Could reach these higher states, talk about you're a highly conscious being and you're not supposed to be in a war state. A, a war state is part of your most primitive state you can be. Materialism, part of your most primitive state. All of these aspects are part of our most fear, your most primitive state. So what happens if you, if you stack the deck? You literally make it so that that reality is ruled by every single possible way that can prevent those beings from reaching those other states. It's like playing that game that I just described to you but someone came in to that model, that, that code, and they completely rewrote and added a bunch of stuff to that code to make it almost impossible for that, for that character to reach, to reach their max level. It was like it was too hard. It was almost impossible because the deck was stacked, stacked against right. them. So by creating that reality that was ruled by war and keeping everybody in this primitive state, you were essentially keeping everyone at level zero or one. That's, that's the analogy I want to give, and that's why this book is so important, because this book, The Stage of Time, gives all of those ancient teachings that tell you how to break out of that game. They explain it right to you, <laughs> flat out. This is what you do. This is what reality is. This is what the nature of everything is. This is what's been done here, and this is, this is who has been doing it. The cheat and that's codes. that's what it comes down to. Use to use more video game metaphors, the cheat codes. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that it's like a cheat code. And, and actually, that's a great point you just made. I, I want to bring that up. There is, there is cheating here. Cheating would be if you're someone who is not really a great person, you have a lot of these traits that I went over. You know, you're not a great, you don't really help a lot of people. You're selfish. You live in the material world, but you're curious. You're curious about certain things. You just happen to come across certain things. You come across one of these ancient teachings, and it tells you, certain things you can do to take that person. You just try to cheat. You just try to learn it quickly and then try to go through and, and, and try to half-ass half it, you could say it, right? You're not going to be able to. You're going to be bound by deception and all of these other things that will hold you back because you're trying to cheat. You're not trying to, you're not trying to actually do the hard work. Right. It, honestly, it's hard work. Getting to these steps and these stages, it's like you got to change everything about yourself because of such a conditioned, suppressed 
um, mentality that we've been con raised on. We, literally, we have these mental blocks within us that help prevent us from reaching who we really are because we've been given this mundane viewpoint of how we should be. And so I love how you brought up the whole cheating aspect because you can't cheat the system. It's designed perfectly. If yeah. you want to get above this game, and this is the time right now, this is that little window where, hey, that little magical door in that video game that like takes you hmm. quickly through these levels, that's open right now. It's open and you can pass through it quickly if you if you dedicate yourself and you work hard and you fundamentally want to change and you want to become a better person that door is open and it's available to you at any time yeah you you can't con your way through spiritual enlightenment exactly that's 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 exactly <laughs> i mean it's just like you said that's just not gonna work man i mean you could fool some people sometime but not all the people all the time and the universe is definitely watching exactly exactly do we have any more questions uh do we we have some more guest questions or listener questions don't we um sure i'll just read one more because we have gone for a little while and then, and then we'll get into the close some closing um, okay no worries um so the the last question we have um comes from owen who asked how is the ancient cultural wisdom from the past re-emerging from the ashes essentially in order to um, counteract the epics of suppression and oppression a good example would be the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and the secrecy and suppression that still exists around it. I have a lot of people who have messaged me and say, I'm not really finding any information about the Emerald Tablets. Therefore, I think that they're, they're not authentic and they're fake and I'm not going to read them. Certain pieces of information you find out throughout history. For instance, why are none of the, the Atrahasis, Enuma Elish, Legend of Atanya, Sumerian Kinglist, I could go on. Why are none of those taught in any academic communities anywhere, let alone school? None of them are. Quickly, you can see that a lot of this information that really breaks this paradigm, that's the key word, anything that goes against this paradigm model we've been given from religion and from a lot of other locations, if it goes against that, then it's suppressed and sometimes destroyed. And so in this day and age right now, there are certain ancient writings that are so important that they've had to be protected by certain secret societies. And there are still secret societies that exist today who try to stay off the radar that, that essentially try to protect this information. And one of those is the Emerald Tablets. And the, and the idea behind that is that that tablet was Atlantean wisdom and it's all that was left of the Atlantean wisdom. That's it. That was what was left of the Atlantean wisdom, this great civilization that was destroyed that was then brought to Kem that created Egypt. That's where it began. And that, and it was in these, this knowledge was contained within the great pyramid of Giza, but it was eventually moved because they were worried that they were being conquered by things like the Roman empire and other armies as well. It was moved to places like Mexico, places like Teotihuacan and these great pyramids of, of the sun. You see these locations where these ancient civilizations were once had these morals and protected this knowledge, but were then destroyed and corrupted later on. And so the great challenge today is how do you maintain this information from being destroyed? And so what we're seeing right now, and again, this is why I, I included all those translations, is you're seeing a reemergence of ancient texts and um, ancient writings that were were many, m most of them destroyed, and all we have left are these remnants. But those remnants are powerful, and they're coming out today, and they're emerging all over. And people that read them, go read the Emerald Tablets. It, you will change your tune very quickly when you when you see the 
um, the similarities that it gives with a lot of other Gnostic and ancient Egyptian teachings, something like the Book of Ra and a lot of these other teachings you find in these ancient Egyptian societies, they literally echo the same thing. And they all echo the same thing. And it comes down basically to that there are these guidebooks. Remember, we again, I'm sorry, but getting back to that analogy of the video game, guess what? There's a walkthrough for that video game. There's a, there's a guidebook for how to get through that. That's hmm. what these ancient writings are. That's what these ancient spiritual old religion teachings are. They're the guide for how to become a better person to get to get out of this system to reach your highest levels. That's all ancient religion. That's all old religion. Ancient religion was based on. That's the whole heart of it. And if you it's, look at the and if you honestly look, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the, if you look at the, the Mexican flag, which we've talked about a little while ago, the symbolism of ah, the serpent versus yeah, the serpent eagle versus the serpent, like you see that playing out on the Mexican flag, like basically the, the continued suppression of this of this consciousness, this reptile, you know, the reptilian, whatever, however you want to describe it, and then being, you know, taken over by the eagle. And like you said, it's in, right. it's in a it's depicted in a bunch of flags, but that's almost like a single shot depiction of of everything you're kind of explaining of, you know. That, that truth that those emerald tablets being in Mexico or being in these in these ancient pyramids and then being suppressed by the order of the day the the last like the last of these societies that had fallen this knowledge even after they had become corrupted and because we have to I want to point out that there were other their you know their ancestors, um, we're not, we, we give too much credit to the perspective we see now, like the Aztecs, yes, they became warlike and did blood sacrifice, but they weren't always like that. Mm -hmm. It was once based on a pure speech, spiritual teaching, but at the same time, even though they became corrupted, they still had a lot of this ancient wisdom and knowledge that was being practiced by some of their society. So when you had Cortez come over and the, all these other conquistadors who had their ancient flag and crest was often the, the, this Eagle empire, right? Coming over, they completely corrupted and destroyed them and then built these massive Catholic churches. For instance, the ancient, the capital city of the Aztec was known as Tenochtitlan. It's now gone. It's been completely turned to rubble. And today, you see Mexico City built on the ashes with these huge Catholic um, churches right on top. Hmm. That's that corruption and control of this eagle mentality, which represents not freedom and sovereignty, but it represents this order and control keeping people in a certain mindset of um, following the rules, the status quo, you know, this um, warlike mentality, this power structure mentality versus this other side of the serpent, which is not deceptive. It's about understanding balance, higher consciousness, reaching these higher states of, 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 of wisdom and knowledge to reach the, what those states that we're discussing. So when those cultures all became systematically corrupted and destroyed until you had the last <clears throat> remnants these this, the druids, the last remnants where St. Patrick came in and ridded them, and yet we're celebrating and sharing beers over it and clinking our glasses and being happy. We're celebrating the destruction of the last of this ancient knowledge that was once in the past. And to me, that's really sad. I, I found that story very powerful when you first said that because I had no idea. And it just, once you explain the kind of inside baseball of, of, what that snake symbolized in, in ridding the Druids or Ireland of the Druids and that ancient knowledge. It and was, they were called the snakes, remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just was like one of those bingo aha moments. It's just the, these these continuous things that cycle through history. These, It's it's just, it's so fascinating, man. It really, really is. I've always been like really into history and stuff like that. And, you know, even back in the day, the old Art Bell days, Richard Hoagland and even Jim Mars talking about the Anunnaki just really, really sparked my brain. And I kind of just 
I went to sleep on it and just really kind of put it away. And then recently, man, it just reading your reading your book, watching your videos. It's just been so many different aha moments. I've always I've already trying to been trying to be in my own kind of spiritual cultivation, if you will. And I'm trying to raise up my consciousness like everybody should be. And these books and this information just it really helps keeps things in perspective, man, as far as yeah. getting caught up in the BS and the distractions and really trying to focus on what really is important, man. And a lot of this information is, is so game changing, man. It really I, is. I completely agree. And I want to just I want to say something on that. When when you have this whole idea of how all this goes, right, you're like, OK, now um, I've been talking about this. I've been looking at the evidence. I've been building this up and boom, like all of a sudden you'll reach that higher conscious mindset where all of this will make sense. You know, you it won't be rejected. You'll look at the Atrahasis. You'll be like, wow, the Anuna, they're right there. They call themselves the ordainers of destinies. They call themselves the great Anuna. All of it's right there and it all makes sense. And it's sitting there and you go, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then guess what? That night, maybe the next day, you're exhausted. You're really tired. You're in this low conscious state because your energy is really low. You start to look back at all that. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense anymore. All of a sudden, you're like, you start to question those things. You're like, really like is that is that really how it is because look at everybody else isn't isn't thinking that way right that's right. not how everyone else is was I am I crazy am I like a lunatic is that but then you go back and you look again right you go back and you 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 say oh look at that again look at that evidence okay look at this look at that and all of a sudden you get that consciousness back up again and it all makes sense I still get that I still get days where I'm in a really exhausted state where I've been working outside all day in the sun and I'm sitting there and I think to myself wow, was that, was that all real or is that just some figment of my imagination? So the point I'm trying to make is we constantly go in and out of these different states, these different states of consciousness, and you can reach higher levels permanently, but you're always going to waver in terms of where you are at that moment, okay? Right. And so when don't be held back by that. Always hold on to these, these morals. And, and, and what I like to, to call them is create these anchors, Create these anchors, these baseline anchors where you say, okay, I'm going to start from scratch. I know that human beings are not defined as an ape that just has brain that the, our brain creates consciousness. I know that. Boom. There's your, there's your first foundation. Then go and, and do that. Once you lay all those foundations down, that's how you protect the integrity of, of what you know and what, the, how, what defines you. And you, you have to do that because it comes down to this conditioning that we've had for so long that's just built and ingrained into us. It's like we're the analogy of this organic computer that has been filled with viruses and all of this misinformation for so long that that computer has to try to clean itself up and, and run correctly because it's running in the state where it's really slow and it's not really functioning correctly. That's just like what we are. We have to cleanse those, those viruses and all those things that, that hold our system back and then we have to reach this point where we're functioning in the way that we were supposed to all along. Well, and it's fascinating because you first have to admit basically that you've been lied to and yes, awake, exactly. awaken yourself. And then after that, it's like, all right, so what do I do now? And that's why I'm saying I'm, you know, 40 plus years old. and I've been like studying and kind of chewing on this stuff my, my really my entire adult life. And it's always these little pieces that come together of, of you know, the Sumerian king. This, oh, that's interesting. You know, the story of Inky and then, you know, watching a movie like The Matrix, like just these dots that come together with all of this information. You just start like it, it just becomes clear 
that you know almost like i said in the beginning you've taken so many of these ancient puzzle pieces that alone you're just like what the hell is this but you slowly start putting these things together and like you said you just have these aha moments and they're just from different aspects of society or even history and it just comes together to this like realization of holy crap man there is so much more to this than we even possibly fathom and then almost that's another question now what like how do we cultivate that how do we begin to shoo away the distraction and the 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 the, the limited tools our, our biological body has and then kind of how do we transcend man okay and, and that's a great way i think for us to end before i give some of the acknowledgments that i want to give for some of the work sure. that we've been doing here that's a great point what do you do now i get that all the time Okay, so now I know this stuff and I'm a little freaked out, right? <laughs> a little um, bit. I don't, I have trouble mingling and doing small talk with people that I encounter now. True. Um, you've kind of ruined my life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not well, at you all. You know what? You're, what you're doing, <laughs> what you're doing by breaking out of that is the most important thing you could possibly do. You, that, that challenge then becomes, is your integrity going to be strong enough to keep you in, on that path? And that path means there's no upper limit to that path. You're in this lifetime. How far can you go? How far can you, what can you achieve in that life? Mm. How many levels can you get is that character? Yeah, that I like that. I like that what analogy. And, and so it, what it comes down to is where you want to take it is up to you. For the beginning. But there are some fundamental guidelines. Don't feel lost in reality. And you have this trajectory path. You say, okay, I want to learn more and become a better person. And I want to do the things I love in life. And that's, and I want to, and that's the path I want to take. Then there you go. If you're the kind of person who ends up becoming a really great teacher, then go teach people. Everyone is contributing in their own small way. And the reason why the book is called The Stage of Time is because we're, like Shakespeare says that I talk about in the book, we're all actors on the stage and we're all playing these different roles. What role are you going to play in this story, in your story? Are you going to be the hero of your story? Are you going to be the villain? Or are you going to be an extra? Just right. someone in the background that goes along for the ride and then they never get remembered. And I, I've always, I, I just, I don't feel myself doing this, but I don't want to get into that stand, into that rut of like, I understand this intellectually. I understand it conceptually, but I'm not. I'm not acting it out. It's not, I'm not manifesting it in my life. And for me, I mean, like you said earlier, you can't con your way into enlightenment. So I definitely, I've always, and like I said, even before this, I really tried to not necessarily Buddhist, but you know, right mindedness, right, right thoughtfulness, right livelihood. Like every moment, everything you're doing is a part of your enlightenment as opposed to just like, I'm enlightened a little bit. And then I go back and, you know, do blow exactly. and have hookers. And you know what I mean? You want to, you have to walk the walk, the walk. Yeah. If you're going to do the talk, you're going to walk the walk. And um, that means that you have to actually fundamentally change on, on that level. And if you feel like I'm not ready to really teach this, or I'm not really ready to put myself out there, then you're just not ready yet. It doesn't matter. Right. They just, just wait, just be patient and get to the point where you feel like you're ready enough. You're not, you're not predetermined to do anything. You can do whatever you want in, in your own story. Right. Of course. Here's where, here's the secret. You want to know the great secret for, everything it comes down to one thing and i mentioned this in the book the great secret for this path and if you know if you're doing the right thing is it's called always be aware of the level of your awareness that's the term that i want everyone to always be remember so i remember you, that one i remember that one. i you, like you that. say to yourself well i'm about to go do something or i just had a thought about something well what how did that how did that affect you what did what was that thought how were you using your time today oh wow i could have been doing it differently 
well, why weren't you? Mm. Or I could have been, I could have treated that person a little bit differently. And what it means is you say, you constantly, you say to yourself, am I aware of my actions? Am I aware of the things that I'm not aware of? What am I not aware of? So start thinking about what you're not aware of. Are you, are you aware of how reality works? If you're not, then become aware of it. If you're not aware of, of anything that goes into what defies our reality, you simply need to just remind yourself that simple phrase and it'll take you everywhere in life. It'll separate you from being just someone that is um, passing along in, these, in this very erratic path in darkness to a path that's illuminated by light because that light will be you constantly trying to better yourself and and always being aware of what you're doing your actions what you're thinking all those things and I, tr I try to remain try to maintain and i know this sounds like super out there try to maintain that consistent thought that you know it's my life situation that i'm jeff wilson my my life is i am conscious infinite awareness and my default mode needs to be love and i ultimately right. i attempt to try to like you know go through my day with at least that understanding that's because when you come down to it, remember we talked about those rules that go into the define the universe that were created by the actual creator. Those rules mean that if you have a if if you have chaos rule, you'll get nothing but destruction. There'll never be any advancement. There'll never be any way of reaching those higher levels with that type of mentality. Meaning that the only the, the way that this was all designed was on collaboration and love, because that's how when you do that you would instantly achieve your highest state. Wait a minute. Maybe that's how the whole thing was designed in the first place. Right. And that's why when we end up the place that we're in now, which is very broken and polluted and conditioned, you realize that's because simply that our society and our history has been ruled by the complete opposite of what it should have been all along. And it, it also makes me think of like the, the, the men of the quote unquote men of the world who like any any semblance of having a measure of balance to their masculinity with the femininity, like, you know, embracing their feminine side, which we all have. It's like it's it's completely all one side and any measure of 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 what we're talking about. Love is just a sign of weakness. You know what I mean? And these exactly. these, these supposedly are the alpha males when, in fact, those are the ones so hugely, you know, responsible for why things are so out of whack and out of balance since we're so warlike. Got to be in touch with your feminine side, boys. That's a huge part of it. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female. We both have to balance what's called the divine feminine and the divine masculine. Yes. If one of those becomes completely unbalanced, you can actually shrink that side in our brain so that we actually function completely unbalanced on one side or the other. And like you said, males have been so conditioned for so long to be ruled by their masculinity that any kind of notion of their right side, of their emotional side, is laughed over you cried you know you know what a wimp or right. all these other terms that i could use too of course though, though that's a way of keeping people from reaching this balance because you know what if you're not balanced with your two sides you'll never be able to achieve the higher state right. never yeah. doesn't matter how many ancient teachings you read how much spirituality you try to push down into your system until you're able to balance the two sides and that doesn't mean becoming feminine or becoming masculine. Right. It just means embracing both sides of who you are. You're, if you're a male, you're still going to be a masculine male if you're balanced because you're masculine. Right. Or if you decide you want to be more feminine, that's your choice. But the point is, we balance does not mean becoming one side or the other. Right. It means balancing it means balance. yeah. sides of our energy.
Well, and again, it just has that it's such a pejorative turn. And like I said, not to get all like you know the patriarchal society, but there is an aspect of that that has been the kind of the bane of our existence, you know. But hopefully, slowly, we begin to uh, to awake from that, my friend. Thank you so much, and and Jeffrey, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I wanted to just give some closeouts on the book, and we can wrap up things here because sure, we've already had uh, quite a conversation going. Um, I just wanna I wanna thank all the support that you and so many others have given me on my channel and in my writing. And I know it's been a long two to three years writing this book. And so it's it's really an honor for people to read this. And please leave a review on Amazon because it's a huge help for me for others to see this and, and want it in their life. Because I really feel that this goes so far beyond my work. And it's more of just something that I feel like needs to be known and needs to be preserved for the future. And um I'm going to be putting out um, an audio of chapter one. I'm already working on it now for people to have that audio to listen to. And then if they, it's something that they're interested in the book, cool. but I wanted to give, um, so I wanted to thank everybody for that. And I, but I wanted to give some thanks to some of the people that have been part of this project that I really wanted to mention. Um, one of those is the, the illustrator of the wonderful cover that his name is Gil Croy. And I want to just thank him for his fantastic work. Um, I put his website in the links below of this video. And also my very, very good friend, um, Ben Finney, who did a fantastic job providing me with not only an analysis and doing a lot of spelling and grammar and helping me get this thing professional, because those aren't always my strong suits and some know that, but to make sure that this is the place it needs to be and, and give me a lot of feedback on, well, maybe you should say it in this way, or maybe you should restructure things in this way. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm enorm enormously thankful for both of their contributions. And, and last but not least, thank you, Jeffrey Wilson. You have been a huge part of this, this path for me and meeting you has been um, one of the greatest um, inspirations and honors to, to work with someone. So wow. thank you. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I mean, the honor is completely mine, bro. I mean, this, like I said, everybody, this is a super red pill. This is one of those things that is definitely, along with the work of so many others that we've spoke on before, but specifically the stage of time is one of those things that's going to help redefine who we are as human beings, where we came from, who we are is infinite consciousness, man. I mean, this this stuff is so, so very deep and really necessary in this time, man. We uh, like we talked about with politics or anything else. We're so divided, right, left, gay, straight, black, white, Muslim, Christian, whatever. This this book here transcends all of that and lets us know, man, it's it's really all about one love, baby. One love. Exactly. Well said. That's a great way to end out. And I um so. Thanks so much. It was a great discussion. And we just got to remember we're all people and we're all here just to grow and, and, and reach, you know, a better state of ourselves. So thank you so much. I really appreciate everyone that supports the stage of time in my work. And I'll, I'll catch you on um, the next video. We're going to do a lot of discussions coming up the rest of this month with other people. So thanks so much, Jeffrey and everyone else for watching. Thank you guys. Peace and always so much love. Stay tuned. There will always be more. Thank you, Matthew.